Section 11 of Stories from the Operas by Gladys Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Floto, Martha. The Lady Henrietta was dull. She sat one summer morning in the gilded boudoir of her fine house at Richmond, and heaved sigh upon sigh, for although maid of honour to Queen Anne, and the loveliest and most fascinating of all the court beauties, she found no satisfaction in life. She was wearied to death of balls and routs, of the ceaseless flatteries of her many admirers, and of the tiresome monotony of court life, and— satiated with pleasure she had retired to her own home for a few days respite to indulge in vapours to her heart's content her merry little waiting-maid nancy sat watching her mistress with anxious eyes not knowing what to make of this new mood and at last she said surely my lady you are to be envied with your high position your dazzling beauty and social success why then mope when such joys are still to be had but i am weary of just those very joys nancy answered the pleasure-sated court lady pettishly and unless i can find some new interest or excitement soon i shall die of dullness just then a footman announced lord tristan mickleford and a stout middle-aged gentleman of foppish manners dressed in the extreme of the fashion entered the room he was a cousin and would-be admirer of the handsome maid of honour and bowing elaborately before her he began to make courtly speeches in exaggerated language putting himself at her service for the day and offering to escort her to any amusement she wished to indulge in but the spoilt beauty turned away impatiently, declaring heartlessly that his society only bored her, and then, hearing sounds of merriment coming from without, she ran to the open window to see what was going on. A group of gay country maidens and youths were passing by on their way to the statute fair at Richmond, where they would stand in ranks to be hired as servants for the ensuing year according to a local custom, and the sight of these merry rustics suddenly suggested a daring frolic to the bored Henrietta, who sprang to her feet and exclaimed, "'No more dullness to-day! We will dress ourselves in peasant garb, Nancy, and go to the fair as country wenches, seeking a master. Twill amuse us vastly, and perhaps someone will hire us as servants. Oh, what a frolic!' "'and you shall come too, my good Tristan, as our protecting brother.' "'The foppish Lord Tristan was shocked and dismayed at the scheme, "'protesting pompously that it was quite beneath his rank and dignity "'to mingle in the motley crew of a fair, "'but upon Henrietta declaring she would never speak to him again "'unless he obeyed her sovereign will in this matter, "'he gave a feeble consent.' and grumblingly allowed himself to be garbed as a country bumpkin. By the time he was ready, his mischievous cousin joined him again with Nancy, both of them attired in homespun, 
with short bright skirts, neat bodices, and quaint headdresses. Certainly the prettiest and smartest peasant maidens ever seen in those parts, and full of gaiety and eager excitement, the two girls dragged off their unwilling swain to the fair. When they arrived upon the scene, the business of the day was at its height, and quickly noting the long row of country wenches standing at one side, waiting to be hired as domestic servants, Henrietta determined to join their ranks. She adroitly invented an excuse for getting rid of the disgusted Lord Tristan for a short time, and then, bubbling over with mirth, the two saucy girls took up their stand amidst the serving-maids. Among the busy crowd were two handsome, well-to-do young farmers, by name Plunkett and Lionel, who owned a joint farm, and being in need of domestic help, they had come to the statute fair in order to hire a couple of wenches. These two, though loving each other as such, were not brothers, but had lived together since early childhood. Neither could recollect much of their first acquaintance, knowing little beyond the fact that Plunkett's parents had rescued Lionel's father, a stranger and fugitive, from danger and destruction, and that the mysterious stranger, before dying, had bequeathed a ring to his orphan son, with the injunction that should he ever be in distress, to send it to the Queen, when his whole fate might be changed. Not being able to discover anything further about the birth or rank of the orphan left to their charge, the honest farmer and his wife brought him up with their own son, and when the farm at length came into the hands of the young Plunkett, he made Lionel share his inheritance with him. As the young farmers passed down the rows of country wenches, they presently caught sight of Lady Henrietta and Nancy, and being greatly struck with their good looks and smart appearance, they went up to the two girls at once, and began to bargain with them, offering considerably higher wages than they had ever paid before. Henrietta, enjoying the frolic more and more, and delighted to see that the handsome Lionel was struck with her beauty, threw him a roguish glance, and recklessly accepted his offer, giving her name as Martha. And the merry Nancy, willing enough to follow where her lively mistress led, gave her word also. The young farmers, pleased at having secured two such attractive serving-maids, at once paid over the earnest money, by which they were bound to them for a whole year's service, and then, having no further business at the fair, they desired the girls to follow them to the farm, that they might begin their duties at once. Then Henrietta and Nancy, more amused than ever, broke out into peals of laughter, declaring that they had only given their word in a joking manner, and never intended to hire themselves out at all. But their merriment soon ended when the two young farmers, indignant at such conduct, calmly informed them that, having taken earnest money, they were bound by law to render service for a whole year, according to the custom of the district. The local sheriff who presided over the statute hiring ratified what they said, and ordered the girls to follow their new masters at once. And then Henrietta, seeing that she had carried her escapade too far, was in great distress, not daring to disclose her true name and rank, for fear of the scandal coming to the ears of the Queen. 
Lord Tristan returned at this juncture, and full of wrath at what had happened, tried to withdraw the frightened girls from the fair. But the country folk, indignant at the statute rule being broken, set upon him at once, and quickly dragged him to the other end of the field. Meanwhile, the two young farmers bore their newly hired servants off to the farm, without more ado, for Henrietta now thought it best for the present to submit quietly to the indignity she had brought on herself, hoping to escape later on. On arriving at the farm, the triumphant masters soon discovered that they had made a very bad bargain as to the working capabilities of their new maids, for neither of the girls could do a stroke of domestic work, and were extremely indignant on being bidden to perform the smallest service. Nancy, indeed, went further still, being bent on mischief, for she soon developed a destructive tendency, and Plunkett, who had undertaken to instruct her in her duties, had his hands full in preventing her from breaking all his domestic goods and chattels. Whilst these two were squabbling in the kitchen, Henrietta condescended to receive a lesson in spinning from the handsome Lionel, whose gentle manners and naturally aristocratic bearing had impressed her pleasantly from the first. And Lionel, whose enthusiastic admiration for the supposed Martha, was developing into love at a most alarming rate, found the task a very pleasant one. The touch of the soft white hand thrilled him as he guided it through the intricacies of the spinning wheel, and the beautiful girl made such a charming picture as she sat there, playing at work, that he was filled with delight. Elated at having made such an easy conquest of the young farmer, whose ardent glances soon betrayed the state of his susceptible heart, Henrietta quickly recovered her good spirits, and later on she was even persuaded to sing by the indulgent master, who was already recklessly encouraging his new handmaid in idleness. So the bewitching Martha sang The Last Rose of Summer, in a voice so soft and sweet that Lionel was enthralled, and when the song came to an end, he flung himself impetuously at her feet, intoxicated with delight, declaring passionately that he loved her, and that, so far from being his servant, he now desired to make her his wife. Lady Henrietta, astonished and dismayed at the quick development of the passion she had so carelessly excited, took refuge in laughter, and poor Lionel, seeing his raptures thus treated with lightness, was plunged into wretchedness. Plunkett now returned with the saucy Nancy, whose outrageous behaviour had by this time nearly driven him frantic, though her tantalising charms had already won his heart. And ordering the two unsatisfactory servants to bed, he declared to Lionel he feared they had made a bad bargain. When Lady Henrietta and Nancy found themselves alone in their chamber, they had no intention of going to rest, and as soon as they made sure that the two young farmers had also retired for the night, they began to think of some way of escape. Just as they were laying their plans, they heard a voice calling to them from outside, and quickly throwing up the window, beheld with much relief the portly form of Lord Tristan Mickleford standing below. He hastily explained in a nervous whisper that he had a carriage waiting for them beyond the farmyard, 
and eagerly clambering down from the low window-sill, Henrietta soon made her way to the welcome vehicle. Nancy quickly followed, and the movements of the fugitives were so silent that it was not until the carriage was driving off that the defrauded masters were aroused. Then, when they found that their pretty maids had flown, the two young farmers were full of indignation, and next day they searched the whole countryside for news of the runaways. Their efforts were, however, in vain, for by this time Henrietta had returned gladly to her court life, but a strange sadness now frequently came over her spirits, for her heart had been more deeply touched by the honest affection of the manly Lionel than she was willing to admit, and she longed to see him again, even though she knew the difference in their rank forbade her to give him hope. Lionel was now filled with despair, the loss of his beautiful Martha only increasing his passion, and he still continued to make inquiries for her, accompanied in his search by the faithful Plunkett, who also desired to find Mistress Nancy, whose mischievous glances had bewitched him. Then, at last, the two lovers met their charmers once again. One day a grand royal hunt took place in Richmond Forest, and Lady Henrietta, as one of the maids of honour, joined the ranks of the huntresses, together with her maid Nancy. Soon after the hunt had commenced, however, Henrietta withdrew a little apart from the gay company, and wandering down a lonely glade, soon gave herself up to the melancholy thoughts that had lately taken possession of her. But Nancy, merry and lively as ever, went on with the rest of the party, and presently, to her surprise and utter consternation, she came suddenly face to face with the young farmer Plunkett, who happened to be strolling through Richmond Forest that day, on his way from the village. No sooner did Plunkett set eyes on Nancy than he recognised her instantly as his runaway maid, and accosting her without ceremony, he ordered her to return to his service at once. At first Nancy tried to put him off by laughing and pretending not to know him, but when Plunkett seized her arm gently but firmly, insisting that she should follow him, the girl was alarmed for her mistress's sake, and turning to the surprised ladies and gentlemen, she called on them to come to her rescue. Immediately the indignant party closed about Plunkett, buffeting and belabouring him with their hunting crops, and the unfortunate farmer was obliged to beat a retreat as best he could. Meanwhile Lionel, who was also walking in the forest not far away, had wandered unconsciously into the very same glade that Henrietta had selected for her lonely ramble, and presently, approaching a lady of quality garbed in the rich habit of a fashionable huntress, he recognised, to his utter astonishment, the beautiful features of his beloved Martha. In great delight he hurried forward with outstretched arms to greet her, and at first Henrietta, overjoyed in spite of herself, uttered an exclamation of pleasure. Then, recollecting that she would be disgraced should the knowledge of her escapade become known at court, and seeing that her companions in the chase were already approaching her, she suddenly turned cold, and haughtily denied the young farmer's acquaintance. But Lionel, his passion enhanced at again beholding the object of his affection,
determined to assert his rights as a master, and commanded her eagerly to return to his employ. And then Henrietta, afraid of what might follow, called out to her companions for help, declaring that Lionel was a madman. Instantly the rest of the hunting party crowded around, and when Lionel heard Henrietta addressed on all sides as my lady, he saw in a flash that a trick had been played upon him at the statute fair, and that this fine court beauty had only been amusing herself at his expense. Knowing now that his love could never hope to be requited, he was filled with disappointment and despair, and he began to pour forth such scornful, passionate reproaches, that the huntsman, thinking him mad indeed, closed around and attempted to drive him away. At this moment Plunkett appeared on the scene once more, and quickly joining in the fray, he at length managed to drag his friend away, and returned with him to the farm. Here, poor Lionel, overcome by grief and refusing to be comforted, feeling that his beloved one was now lost to him for ever, quickly fell into a delirious state bordering on frenzy. And Plunkett, fearing for his friend's life, at length sent a message to Lady Henrietta, whose true rank and name he had quickly discovered, entreating her to visit the farm at least once again. With this message he also sent the ring that had been bequeathed to Lionel by his mysterious father, requesting the maid of honour to place it in the hands of the Queen, for he felt that this was a fitting time for the token to be presented, since his poor friend could not well be in greater distress, nor in more urgent need of help. When Lady Henrietta received the message, she was conscience-stricken and filled with grief, for she had instantly regretted her cruel treatment of Lionel in the forest, and could no longer hide from herself the fact that she loved him with her whole heart. She determined to go to the farm at once, and humbly accept the love of this honest, faithful wooer. But before starting, she sought an interview with her royal mistress, into whose hands she delivered the ring that Plunkett had sent. A wonderful surprise was now in store for all, for the carefully hoarded ring brought back a long-forgotten incident to the Queen, and proved to her that the young farmer Lionel was in reality the only son of the unfortunate Earl of Derby, who, wrongfully accused of treason, had been forced to flight and had died in exile. The royal lady determined to heal the wrongs inflicted on the father by restoring the son to his rightful rank and possessions, and the joyful tidings of this happy change in his fortunes was carried to Lionel by the fair Henrietta herself. The young earl was duly reinstated to the proper rank, wealth, and court favour to which he was entitled, but, to the utter grief of Henrietta, the sufferings to which her thoughtless conduct had subjected him had unhinged her lover's mind, and rendered his memory of all the incidents connected with her a blank. Henrietta was in despair, for by this time Plunkett and the Merry Nancy had already made up their minds to marry, and she longed to follow their example. At length a gleam of hope came to her, for having read that when a sudden shock unhinges a person's reason, the mind can sometimes be restored to its proper balance, 
by repeating the incidents that first caused the calamity. She determined to try the experiment with Lionel. Easily prevailing upon her friends to help her in the scheme, she caused an impromptu fair to be held in her own gardens, setting up stalls and booths in exact imitation of the Richmond statutes, with a rank of serving-maids waiting to be hired, and when all was ready, she dressed herself in peasant garb once more, and took up her stand with Nancy amongst the country girls. Then Plunkett led Lionel through the show, and down the ranks of pretty maids, as he had done on the actual day of the fair. And, as all had hoped, the light of memory gradually brought back the wandering reason of the young earl, and restored his mind to its normal state. The moment he beheld Henrietta in her dainty peasant dress, he recognised the beautiful Martha, whose charms had won his heart, and a clear recollection of all the events succeeding the statute fair coming suddenly upon him, he hurried forward and clasped her in his arms with great joy, knowing now that there was no further obstacle to their union. So the mock fair had served its purpose, and a short time afterwards the young Earl of Derby, restored to reason and happiness, was married to Lady Henrietta, whom he had learned to love so dearly as Martha the serving-maid. End of section 11